Well, today has been a great, but a long day. It started for me around uh, 5.30 when one of our children uh, started crying in the middle of the night and would not calm down till he was held. Uh, then I had a, a, an 8.30 Logos class here at the church, followed by the regular Sunday school hour, followed by the service, followed by a wonderful reception where we got to meet a, a whole lot of people, followed by several hours at my in-law's house, followed by coming back here. Uh, after I leave here, I have some more uh, boxes of odd-shaped items to try and uh, fit in each other. Uh, so it's been a long day. I, I know it, usually when people are coming to an evening service, I, I try and help them focus. I try and help them get out of all the things that are happening in their life. Uh, but but to, today, y'all may have to help me out a little bit because uh, today has been a long day at the beginning of a long week. Uh, so uh, with all that, I, I just tell you that if I get flustered or, or get a little off topic, uh, provide me a little extra grace. Uh, it's, it's in uh, extra innings for me at this point mentally. So I'm, I'm hoping I'll be mostly here this evening. Uh, what Chris just read for us, is the, the text we are, we are going to be diving into. We are in Psalm 37. Uh, in, in Psalm 37, uh, the, if your Bible has titles, uh, the title of mine is, He Will Not Forsake His Saints. It is a, a Psalm of David talking to the Lord. And it's a, a, a psalm that really uh, deals with the topic of the trustworthiness of God. Is God somebody we can trust in, or is God somebody who we uh, need to worry about? And I, I think with a crowd like this that comes to Sunday evening uh, church, if I were to ask all of you, uh, you know, check yes or no, is God trustworthy? Most people here would check the yes box. So, we, you know, we don't need more mental persuasion of, uh, yeah, God, God is, is a trustworthy guy. I think we'd all agree on that topic. But then when we ask another question, are we living in light of the trustworthiness of God? Okay, now, now you're wanting a third box. You're wanting, you know, a little line where you can explain yourself a little bit. You know, that, well, here's why I, I wasn't quite living in that way. And if we know God is trustworthy, but we don't live in a way that demonstrates that God is trustworthy, the main reason why we were doing that is because we think that there is a better way to live. That there's some way of life that is going to be more rewarding, more beneficial for us than trusting in God and following His Word. So as we come to this passage, uh, there's a lot of things we can take out of Psalm 37. It is a rich and fertile soil, but today I just want to give you four rewards of trusting God to remind you of the benefits that we have in trusting God. And I hope this fuels the fire of your desires to know God and, and to trust Him more. A trust is a, a central theme throughout this psalm. Uh, look at Psalm 37 with me. 
Verses 3 and 4 say, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. As we we come to this passage, uh, this section of it begins with trust. And as we've said, that's a theme that goes throughout of it. And just to make sure we're all on the same page, I want to give you a definition of how trust is used in this passage. Uh, Trust can also uh, be translated here as uh, uh, to have faith or to place your faith in. And a good definition is to have a strong confidence or reliance upon someone or something. And in that definition, I'm just going to say, I like the reliance definition a a lot better. To have a strong reliance or dependence upon someone or something. Most of us are, are... uh, if you're like me, we, you have an aversion to reliance upon others. You want to be self-sufficient. You want to take care of uh, yourself. You don't want to have to ask anything of anybody or need anybody for anything else. But when it comes to our relationship with God, reliance and dependence are essential. And the reason why I like that reliance idea a little bit better than uh, the idea of confidence uh, comes from a a very popular illustration. But the reason why it's a popular illustration is because it's a good illustration. Many years ago, there was a tightrope walker. And they stretched a line across Niagara Falls. And the tightrope walker the first time walked with a long bar holding it which the long bar allows you to to balance a little well. Better, he walked down the tightrope and back again to the crowd's uh, amazement and pleasure. And he says, now, who thinks I can do it without the bar? And everybody said, yeah. And then he put the bar down, walked unassisted across Niagara Falls and then back again. And he grabbed a, a wheelbarrow and says, who thinks I can make it down and back in the wheelbarrow? Everybody said yes. He went down and back with the wheelbarrow. You know, th- at this point, the crowd's, you know, getting really amped up. Uh, they didn't have television back then, so I think that's about as high-quality entertainment as you can get. So he then said, who thinks I can make it across with somebody in the wheelbarrow? Everybody said, oh, yeah. And he said, great, who's getting in? Now, they were very confident that he could make it across, but until you get in the wheelbarrow, you aren't reaching a state of reliance or dependence. The the type of trust we are talking about here is a deep-seated reliance and dependence upon God. So we said there are four rewards for this type of trust in God. The first one, uh, as we've read verses 3 and 4, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. By the way, notice that action. Trust in the Lord followed by do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. We see here the the first way, the, the first reward for those who place their trust in the Lord. If we place our trust in the Lord, we will find our satisfaction in Him. 
It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I always think of this as a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because ultimately, our desires are rooted in the things we delight in. So the person who is training themselves to continually delight themselves in the Lord, what is growing as their greatest desire? The Lord Himself. So as you delight yourself in the, the Lord, your desire for Him grows. And we think of the other passage of Scripture where it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. The practice of delighting ourselves in Him centers our hearts upon Him and hopefully fans the flame of their fervor for Him. Those who trust in God find their satisfaction in Him. And by the way, it is a practice to delight in Him. Uh, you know, I've got... Uh, two little guys at, at home, and, you know, they eat all sorts of interesting things, and they're learning to enjoy food. So, you know, you put green beans down on, on, on the, you know, little plastic mat in front of them, and they grab it, and they go, ah, meow, 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 you know, and then you, you put some sweet potato, and they grab it, and they go, ah, meow, 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 and then, uh, you know, you might, you, you might put, like, a, a little teething biscuit, and they grab that, and they're like, ah, meow, 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 you know, that, that's like a cookie to them. And then at that point, if you put the green bean down, they like knock it out of the way and start crying, you know? Why? Because they've gone on to something better. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that as your Christian life progresses, that you are maturing in, you are gr gr getting a greater taste for the delight that you can find in God so that when Satan puts the temptations of the world in front of you, you bat it away without even thinking. Are you drawing near to Him? Are you praying to Him? Are you seeking and savoring Him in His Word that you delight in Him? Those who trust in the Lord find their satisfaction in Him, not in worldly things. That's the first reward or blessing for those who trust in the Lord. We see then in Psalm 37, beginning in verse 5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Uh, there's so much we, we could go into this, but one of the things I want to say is that for those who trust in the Lord, they find their success in Him. Notice it says, Commit your way to the Lord. That is, the way you are living your life, the plans that you've made. Say, Lord, I dedicate those to you. And then trust him and he will act. Uh, it's a, a very uh, interesting dynamic here because you're committing your way to the Lord and you are trusting him to act on your behalf. That is, your success doesn't come from all your own actions. And by the way, this is in a contrast that is dealt with all through chapter 37. There's this, this kind of internal conflict that's going on with David. And, and the problem he has is he sees that the wicked are enjoying great success here on earth. He says, why are they thriving? Why are they prospering who do wicked? 
In effect, it seems like their wickedness is increasing their prosperity and their success. And he struggles with this. And so in a way, he says to say, I have to commit my way to the Lord, to, to following him. And I have to trust him to act on my behalf because part of the temptation that David is facing and is preaching to himself against is, look, I don't need to give in to wicked ways in order to attempt to secure for myself the same type of success that the wicked have. I need to continue in faith, in trust, in dependence upon the Lord and find my success in Him and not through wicked actions. Uh, This uh, danger of of seeing uh, this, uh, the success of, of the wicked is a temptation to unrighteousness. And he, he gives trusting in the Lord as a counterbalance to it. After he says, commit your ways to him and trust in him and he will act. It says, he will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. That is, as a consequence of the trust that is placed in the Lord, he will produce righteousness. He will bring forth justice. And I think there's kind of two ways you you can take that or interpret that. And I think both of them uh, have scriptural support throughout the Bible. One is he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. That is those who trust in the Lord are producing acts of righteousness and they act justly. Why? Because they're not trying to swindle one another. They're not trying to undercut one another. They're not trying to gain an unfair advantage through wicked ways. They are living in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, walking in his statutes and relying upon him for the reward. Uh, Another way to take it, and by the way, that's a a very scriptural idea. You know, in in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Titus, we have these emphases that uh, if you are a believer who places their faith in God, that the good works you do are not things that are paying back God's grace, but they are things that borrow more grace. That is, we need grace not only to be saved, but we need God's grace and empowerment to walk in the salvation he has provided. So he's, he's in a way saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to depend on God for this, and then God is going to work in me to bring forth righteousness and justice in my own life, and that is a work of his. That's one way to take it. Another way to take this passage is to look at it as something referring to ultimate vindication. Because remember, we we said the big struggle he has is, why are the wicked prospering? Why are they doing well? Uh, How how come I'm working out here tirelessly while they're enjoying great success? And by the way, you remember David's life, right? How many times was he persecuted? Persecuted. Driven away from Saul's presence for what? Obedience to the word of the Lord. Uh, he, he was driven away for a success that God gives him. He's driven away because of jealousy. Uh, where does he go? He goes to the wilderness. 
It goes among the Gentile nations who are persecuting and warring against Israel. It has to live amongst them and see their success. And here is David, who, because of his righteousness, is driven out by an unrighteous king to live amongst unrighteous people and has to watch all their wickedness. And, 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 you know, when you think about it in those terms, you think, yeah, I can understand why David's dealing with these issues. Why he's wondering, hey, these people didn't have to leave their home. Why did I have to leave? And one of the things this could be referring to is ultimate vindication. The wicked may enjoy temporary success, but he says, ultimately, God is going to be the one who declares us righteous. He is going to be the one who brings about ultimate justice. And I think either of those interpretations warrant merit. But ultimately, we find our success not through wicked actions, but through trusting the Lord. So first of all, the reward for those who place their trust in the Lord is that they find their satisfaction in Him. Secondly, they find their success in Him. Thirdly, they find their security in Him. Verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. We find our security in God not through frantic action, but through trust in Him. Uh, the, the term used in, in verse 7, be quiet, uh, has a meaning of either to stand still, we see that uh, meaning in Joshua 10.12, or to keep quiet, a definition we see in Leviticus 10.3. Uh, here it has kind of an indication of both, that people must wait patiently and quietly for the Lord. Kind of its opposite is uh, the fretting that is mentioned, do not fret, and that, that word means uh, to become excited or angry. Uh, the, David's cautioning people against getting agitated or worried over the prosperity of the wicked. The righteous should wait for the Lord and trust that he will eventually destroy the unrepentant wicked. You know, I have to remind myself of that driving, you know, down 240 when, you know, somebody cut, cuts you off frantically and you just think, no, you know, don't get agitated, don't get angry. The Lord will bring justice upon them. You know, you, you, you've got you've to trust Him. Don't take matters into your own hands. You have a wife and kids at home. You know, calm down. No, the, uh, but I say that jokingly, but in, in reality, there's some truth in that. Like what, what David's saying is, hey, don't focus so much on them, who they are, what they are doing. Focus on who God is and what He will bring about. Rest in Him. Be still. Be quiet. And by the way, this isn't to say that believers are completely inactive. And we see that in the previous verses, right? When it talks about trusting God and doing good. That, that sounds like action. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Commit the way you're living your life to the Lord. That implies action. But what this means is both in what we act upon in doing good and what we do not act upon, which is taking vengeance in our own hands, being the arbiters of justice. We put those things aside because why? We trust in the activity of God. So both in our activity and in our inactivity, we are trying to express a trust in God that understands that He is good and he will ultimately bring about the punishment of the wicked and the vindication of the good. We can rest, therefore, securely in him and his actions. As we, uh, we kind of in the first part of this covered uh, verses 3 through 7, and now we skip on to the end of the chapter to verses 39 and 40. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold. Again, reinforcing that idea of security in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. From this passage, we have four rewards. We've talked about that those who trust, if we trust in God, we find our satisfaction in Him. If we trust our God, we find our success in Him. If we trust our God, we find our security in Him. Fourthly, this passage tells us if we trust in God, we find our salvation in Him. Not in our own might, not in our own righteousness. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. That is, He is the source of their salvation. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. When trouble comes upon the wicked, He is their shelter. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. It is the relationship of the righteous to the Lord that saves them that provides them protection. Their righteousness comes from God. He is the source of it. Even uh, David recognizes it's not our own might, it's not our own righteousness that provide us any protection. But the protection we have comes from God. The salvation that we have comes from Him. As we look back at this text, one of the things I want us to think about is what type of life we want to live. Do you want to try and find your satisfaction in your own strength and in your own might? By the way, uh, I had a conversation uh, with Pradeep, who who is the uh, missions minister here for, for many years, and we were uh, riding along, and uh, I, I'm not even sure how the topic got brought up, but we were talking about enjoying things. And he said, you know, I think that Christians can enjoy things better than anybody else. I said, elaborate. And he says, well, we, we can enjoy something, and at the same time, 
not be dependent upon it for our joy. We can enjoy something, but n not be dependent upon it for our joy. Whereas we have an ultimate source of joy that allows us to enjoy the good things of this world, yet not rely upon them for our satisfaction. Uh, um, another w way I've, I've thought about it is, you know, I feel sorry uh, for some of the people because the best thing that they can ever experience is the, the food they eat or the movies they watch or the things that they do. And, and, and some people are, are so desperate to find any t source of satisfaction in this world that they try and milk those things for all that they're worth. And what do they end up with? They end up hollow and empty and trying to pursue more and more things. Whereas a Christian can enjoy it, but we don't have to rely upon it for our joy. Another way I've, I've thought about it are, are, are what are some of the most uh, you know, awe-inspiring and joyful things I've experienced on this world. For me, one of them is seeing a, a clear sky at night where you can actually see the Milky Way. Has anybody been far enough away from the city uh, to, to be able to see the Milky Way? Okay, some of you. If you haven't, you need to get out there more often. Go to a national park. Uh, you, you make sure it's a clear night. Make sure there's no major moonlight and, and, and really get it. But it's awe-inspiring. And whenever you see something like that, you're taken aback. And you think, how gorgeous is this? How beautiful is this? It makes you usually feel, if you're like me, it makes you feel very small and at the same time very grateful. And I think, how glad I am that I know the God who made the stars so that I can thank Him for giving them. What a depressing thing it must be for an atheist to look up at the night sky and have no one to thank for it. To feel all that and have nothing to direct it toward but a meaningless and empty universe. So as, as, a, as a Christian, I think we have the opportunity to find satisfaction, to find success, to find security, to find salvation. Not in our own efforts. Do you know what that does to people when they try to do it? It creates stress. It creates frantic activity. It creates panic. It creates despair. It creates wickedness, as people realize, when those things are, are slipping away, that they've got to do something and act on their own behalf. I think of David putting his trust in the Lord for all these things, and then I think David was living thousands of years before Christ. He's, he's hundreds of years before Christ, and as he's thinking of these things, uh, the, the Messiah is just something that has been predicted. David only saw a, a shadow of the things to come. We who have heard of Christ, who have seen Him in Scripture, who know about His death, His resurrection... We've seen the substance of these things. If David has a reason to find satisfaction in God, how much more those of us who know Christ. 
If David has reason to find his success in the Lord and God acting upon his behalf, how much more those of us who have seen the redeeming work of Christ and know the significance of God's love for us. If David had reason to find security in God, how much more those of us who know that God did not even spare His only begotten Son on our behalf. If David knew that salvation was in God alone, how much more those of us who have knelt at the foot of the cross and seen the redeeming work of a crucified Savior, those of us who know that He was put in the grave on our behalf, those of us who know that the grave could not contain Him and that three days later He burst forth in glory, those of us who know He has ascended into heaven and is preparing a place for us, those of us who know that He is coming back, as Cole said, He has secured the victory and He is coming back for His church. Saints, knowing what we know of who God is and knowing what we know of what Christ has done, we would be fools to try and find our satisfaction, to try and find our success, to try and find our security, and especially to attempt to find our salvation in anything we bring to the table. Rather, in the great and glorious King who descended to take on a crown of thorns, who's returning in glory to claim those whom He loves as, he own, as His own. Is God trustworthy? Absolutely. I hope you leave here with a desire to live in light of the trustworthiness of God, looking to the reward He provides for those that we might find our satisfaction, that we might find our security, that we might find our success and salvation in Him and Him alone.